Good morning. This is China takes over the world, and I am Ying Ma. According to the China Global Investment Tracker, a database of Chinese foreign investment, Canada is the third largest market for China's outbound investments after Australia and the United States. Since 2005, China has invested nearly 38 billion dollars in the Canadian market. With us to discuss China's economic presence in Canada and how Canadians are reacting to it is Wendy Dobson, an adjunct professor and. And co-director for the Institute of International Business at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto, and she is also a former Canadian Associate Deputy Minister of Finance. Professor Dobson, welcome to the show. Happy to join you. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, according to a 2013 poll conducted by the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada, 76 percent of Canadians oppose investment in Canada from Chinese state-owned enterprises. That's a higher level of opposition for SOE investment from any other country. Why do you think Canadians seem to dislike state investment from China so much? There seems to be a、uh, a sense that. Uh, emanates from the very top of the political spectrum here, i.e., our prime minister.、Uh, that、uh, in Canada we've had government-owned enterprises, which are called crown corporations, and over the years we have privatized those. And the、uh, rationale by the prime minister is: we don't want、uh, now that we've got government out of business. In 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 the Canadian economy, we don't want other governments now seeking to do business. So he's basically equating、uh, state ownership with political direction rather than、uh, commercial objectives of、uh, international investors. And one of the reasons that he is saying that is because of this poll that seems to reflect、uh, a level of suspicion and. Perhaps even fear、uh, of、uh, someone who is not like us. Right, and and after, in fact,、um, speaking of your prime minister, after Chinese state-owned oil conglomerate Sinook inked a deal to purchase Canada's oil and gas company Nexen in a fifteen. Billion-dollar transaction in late 2012, Prime Minister Stephen Harper went out of his way to express his dismay about Chinese state ownership in the Canadian economy. And then, of course, as we all know, he noted that future foreign SOEs would not be allowed to take controlling interests in Canadian oil sands、uh, companies, except in quote exceptional circumstances unquote. So, do you think this policy is、uh, unwise? I do, and I've written、uh, my reasons for why I think it's unwise.、Uh, first of all, Canada has a comparative advantage in natural resources,、uh, and with a population of 33 or 34 million people, we're hardly able to generate the investment or the capital that is necessary to. Uh, develop those resources within the country, and we've always relied on、uh, outside investors、uh, to take stakes in in、uh, resource development. And and so、uh, the unanswered question is: so why are we picking on ownership rather than、uh, focusing on the behavior of foreign investors? And、uh, 
there's no clear answer to that other than politics. Uh, one can argue that uh, on purely economic grounds, it's the behavior of the investor that matters, and the all foreign investors are subject to Canadian regulations, Canadian laws, uh, and if they want to export Canadian natural resources, they have to get permission to do so. And the provinces in Canada, the, the second level of government, actually own those resources under the Constitution. So we have lots of, of safeguards, uh, but we're not using those tools. Instead, we're doing, uh, making this political pronouncement uh, that catches um, all state-owned enterprises, and there's quite a range of countries nowadays that have state-owned enterprises. So in effect, we're denying ourselves access to substantial sources of uh, capital. Sure. Well, let's talk a bit about the behavior of some of China's largest state-owned enterprises, especially the ones that have have expressed a fair amount of interest in, in the energy sector in Canada. So China's three largest oil companies, uh, Sinopec, CNPC, and Sinook, they all compete fiercely with each other, and they do seek to ma- maximize their profits where possible. But it is hard to deny that they are not ultimately beholden to the Chinese Communist Party. So right now, notably, in the South China Sea, Sinuk is behaving almost as a tool of China's strategic interests by ha- by having parked its deep water oil rig uh, in the disputed waters off the coast of Vietnam. And the chairman of Sinook has even referred to its deep water oil rigs as a strategic weapon for China. So no matter how corporatized or commercialized these large SOE, Chinese SOEs become, shouldn't Canada worry about their ownership and about the potential national security threat that could arise from, from that ownership in the Canadian energy industry? Well, every country worries about national security, and so they should. Uh, but there are specific issues. If you look at national security, well, you look at CNUC Limited. Uh, I'm not quite sure who, uh, so I assume it's the CNUC chair uh, in Beijing, uh, not the CNUC uh, president and CEO of CNUC Limited, which is the uh, entity uh, listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange that invested in Canada. And let me just point out that Sinook and Nexen, Nexen has a reputation developed over many years of being uh, a corporate, a responsible corporate player and uh, a very active um, uh, corporate social responsibility advocate. And that continues. That hasn't changed. Uh, and so I think we have to be careful how we generalize, and I, I would not deny that the uh, entity that, uh, and so we have to be careful who, who, who in Sinook, we're t- which entity in Sinook we're talking about. Um, Sinook Limited, because it's listed on exchanges, is pretty transparent. Sinook Limited has... Uh, um, independent and highly regarded uh, uh, independent directors, uh, one of whom 
most recently, uh, is a very highly regarded and knowledgeable Canadian. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is, yes, of course, every uh, uh, country in which that attracts foreign investment uh, has a responsibility to uh, be concerned uh, about uh, national security. But again, in the policy that we've developed in Canada, it has several layers. And national security, of course, has always been one. But it's not clearly spelled out what we think are the national security issues and interests. I see. So uh, it's not so transparent to potential investors. It is not transparent. We also have uh, a number of Canadians who say uh, we don't have access, the same access to the Chinese market that they, in theory, have to ours. And my counter-argument is, yes, that's, that may be true in that China is still modernizing its policies and its transparency towards foreign investors. Uh, but we have very different comparative advantage. And so if China in, wants to invest in natural resources, you know, it's hardly uh, um, something that uh, China is looking for uh, in a reciprocal way uh, because of their large enterprises. Sure. And I guess, guess, so I think that the ownership issue, we have overblown it in Canada. Uh, it's layered on top of what we call the net benefits test, which is also quite opaque. And uh, well, know, well let's net- let's talk about that. Um, we're speaking with Professor Wendy Dobson of the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Because I, I, you know, but but before we get to the net benefits test, I know as part of that argument, you've advocated that um, China does Canada's excuse me, Canada's current process for evaluating and and approving foreign investments ought to be transformed or improved because it is currently opaque and and that uh, it, it is not all that clear to potential investors what not might... Not just Chinese. So how would you like to see the foreign investment approval process change? Should there be a clearer focus on national security? Well, I think that you basically... Uh, all you have to do in Canada is look at the uh, regime that uh, the U.S. Um, charges CFIUS... Uh, the, I've forgotten the what the committee uh, we all know of, what is, uh, what foreign is. investment in the U.S. in the United States. You know, it's quite it's relatively transparent in terms of the uh, there are seven factors, and everybody knows what uh, those factors are and and what they mean. Whereas in Canada, we say we'll we we will subject you if you're over a certain size, and if especially if you're a state-owned enterprise. We will subject you to the net benefits test, which everybody uh, of a similar size is subjected to, which simply asks a series of questions. Right, and, and the factors include everything from competition, the effect on competition in Canada, the factors of productivity, the degree of participation by Canadians, so a whole right. bunch of things. Right, <laughs> um, and... and it, and couched in very general terms. So you put that maybe at the bottom layer because it existed first, and then add to that 
the exceptional circumstances and add to that uh, the national security test, and, and you really, as a foreign investor, you know that you've got a very costly uh, process ahead of you sure, and sure. an uncertain outcome. Sure. Well, um, we've got about a minute left. I do want to ask you one last question. Uh, the CFIUS review in the U.S. government that you uh, you seem to like, it was precisely that process that blocked CNUC's 2005 bid for Unical, another uh, energy giant. And so the U.S. has, in, in fact, allowed less than half of the investment by transaction value that Canada has allowed in the energy sector. So would a clearer focus on national security in Canada actually lead to more approvals no, for no, a Chinese no. presence in the oil sands? I think that, you know, to, to compare CFIUS the way you have and to say Sinuk uh, uh, Unical, you know, to go back to that, China's gone up a major learning curve since the Unical uh, bid and learned a lot about uh, the process. You know, I guess the other thing that, that isn't part, hasn't been part of this conversation is that, you know, there is a, an opaque environment in China there are very close government uh, corporate connections and party connections. And so their ability and, and their knowledge of the regulatory environment and the regulatory requirements in other countries is, is, has been lacking. Um, I, I'm not going to comment on the Vietnam uh, uh, example that you used. The oil rig, sure. Clearly in another uh, category. Sure, sure. Uh, but there's a learning curve that the Chinese have to go up, to, and that's where, you know, the the talk, since we need capital, we should be sharing with at the officials level and even higher what we expect of foreign investors and find out what it is they want uh in terms of their investment, so that there's a better level of understanding and an educational process that goes on. I see. Well, we've been talking to Wendy Dobson, adjunct professor and co-director for the Institute of International Business at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto, and a former Canadian Associate Deputy Minister of Finance. Wendy, thanks very much. A pleasure talking to you. Please send us your comments at uh, facebook.com slash China Takes Over and on Twitter at Rising China. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. Good morning and welcome to China Takes Over the World. I am Ying Ma. We now continue our conversation about China's economic presence in Canada with Dr. Duanjie Chen, a research fellow at the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. Uh, Duanjie, welcome to the show. Thank you. We've just heard from Professor Wendy Dobson of the University of Toronto, who sees properly regulated investments from Chinese state-owned enterprises as a valuable source of capital for Canada. You, on the other hand, have a very different view. You've written that China's SOEs are, in fact, quote, a very powerful tool of the Chinese government's industrial policy, which is aimed at a ruthless expansion of its global economic empire, unquote. What type of ruthless expansion do you think Chinese SOEs are engaging in in Canada? 
I think um, when we say ruthless, we are not saying the government trying to damage or somehow uh, doing something intentionally. But ruthless here is basically um, doing things they want, for example, grow their GDP and expanding overseas at any cost. Um, so they basically ignore what the consequence, negative consequence might be. They just, today the plan is grow, increase the GDP by 10%, and next day we want to expand overseas ba- based on our industry policy. So we do it regardless what. what. That's, that is what I mean by ruthless. If that happens to benefit Canada's economy, uh, wouldn't that be a good thing? So even if if that kind of expansion may not be good for the companies involved, if it happens to bring capital to Canada's economy, uh, why would Canada not want to take advantage of it? Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't think we don't want to take advantage of the Chinese investment. To my point of view, we need to differentiate the Chinese SOEs from non-SOE sectors and differentiate in general about the investment from the SOE sectors, regardless from whichever country, from differentiated from the non-SOE sector. Basically, my uh, principal concern is SOEs are government tools, regardless whether it's China or Canada, just like Canadian Crown Corporations. They are the tool of our government's uh, public policy. So that's not something against China or any specific country. We just have to be vigilant. SOEs money is works as a tool of the um, government. In in terms of Chinese SOEs, their majority shareholder is the government. So we have to be careful about this. We are not just dealing with a private firm, an individual firm. We are dealing with a government. How are Chinese SOEs different from uh, state-owned Canadian crown corporations? I think there are mainly two differences. So first of all, um, Canadian Crown Corporations are tour of our government public policy and are not allowed to enter any business sector in which there is no issue of market failure. And in contrast, the China's SOEs are go beyond as tours of government industry policy. They play as the dominant force of the economy, and they are encouraged to chase the profit wherever possible, which already suffocated the non-SOE firms in many uh, business sectors in China. And the second, well, our crown corporations are um, accountable to the taxpayers represented by our democratically elected government. Well, China's SOEs are accountable to their majority shareholders, which are the one-party ruling governments. So if we agree that the Chinese government and our Canadian government are fundamentally different, then it is clear that the Chinese SOEs and our crown corporations play by very different sets of rules. 
Sure, sure. We are speaking with Dr. Duan Jie Chen of the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. Over the past few decades, China's SOEs have also made an epic march toward corporatization and commercialization. Some of the biggest ones,、uh, such as Sinoc, which took over. Uh, oil and gas company Nexen in Canada、um, in uh, 2012. Ha- th- th- these companies have subsidiaries that are publicly listed and have taken on numerous attributes of market-based firms. Is it fair to s- say that these companies are merely tools of the state? I think, in principle, they are the tool of the states. We already discussed that. But in terms of whether they make decisions based on the commercial business、uh, interest, I would say yes or no, depending on where they are playing. And、um, well, we talk about the so-called rule of commerce. We all know the first rule of commerce is that you can only control that which you create. And、um, taking this rule religiously does not match the reality in China, where SOEs virtually originated from the government grab of private property rights. So, but、um, this is not to say that there has not been any change in the behavior of China's SOEs towards the international norm in commerce. Um, more specifically, as you point out, those、uh, supersized SOEs such as Sinoc, with their listed subsidiaries overseas,、um, such as in Canada, they do make a true effort to abide by the normal rules of commerce. Well, I would say this is a combined result of their need to expand overseas and the special、um, scrutiny imposed on them by foreign governments. So, so, should entities like that be encouraged to invest in countries like Canada or the U.S. or other Western democracies if, in fact, they are moving very rapidly toward commercialization or have adopted a lot of commercial at- attributes? Um, I believe、uh, Chinese governments are encouraging them to do so.、Um, maybe partly because they want、um, to learn the international rules. That's good. But their main purpose, we already discussed, is expanding their economic power、uh, on the global market. Well, when we say encourage, should we? Of course not, because we don't encourage any SOEs.、Uh, I mean, crown corporations in our land to to grab any business sectors. So why should we?、Uh, why should we encourage foreign SOEs to do business in our land? But that does not mean we don't.、Um, Welcome their investment if they want to, and、uh, they play by our rules. That's fine. But the important things,、um, important thing in my view is our government should、um, act as a very vigilant gatekeeper,、um, rather than as some other people said, we should treat SOEs and non-SOEs say,、um, like.、Uh, Non-differentiately, like well,、um, that's what I mean. What I said is, SOEs actually are treated or 
are differentiated from non-SOE sectors by every government in every country. So they, this happens in China. So we should do the same. The only difference is we uh, stand for different principles. Even if uh, Chinese SOEs are ultimately tools of the state's industrial policy, mm-hmm. per, um, but if as long as they don't threaten Canada's national security, and as you said, if 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 the government were to welcome or allow these investments with eyes open, um, wouldn't it, in fact, be better for the um, for the government in Canada to do that and then let the free market check China's ambition. So even if the SOEs were to overpay for its investments or even if its investments in Canada don't pan out, but, you know, but the SOEs have coffers that are that are subsidized by the state, even if all of that is true. But ultimately, if, you know, if they overpay, they're not, the businesses are going to be efficient and it's going to come back to haunt them. Wouldn't it better just to let these, let these transactions happen as long as they don't have a negative impact on Canada's national security and then just let the market sort it out and let the market punish the Chinese SOEs that are involved if there is punishment to, to be dealt in the market sense? Well, I won't get into the national security issue because I'm not expert in that area. I'm not going to make any judgment. But in terms of um, welcoming the SOEs coming to our land, uh, on the ba- uh, uh, saying the background is SOEs are actually the majority player in the global natural resource industry. Some people said this. I don't agree. I mean, um, we have specific concerns, especially from my point of view. First, they can distort our free market system by providing price signals that are not determined by the market conditions. Well, back to your point, you said, um, it's not a big problem to Canadians as long as their money are in our market. Let them sort out their own issue. Well, let's look at China and um, take a global view and a long-term view. If China's economy is unbalanced or imbalanced, I should say, then China's economy will trouble the global economy. I would say that, of course, as like I said, any individual country or any individual investor is not required to care so much about the global uh, structure or long-term uh, like uh, future direction down the road. But if we individually taking, I mean, as a country, as a citizen, individually taking this kind of um, short sight view, then I don't know what will be the future. Okay. The, uh, yeah. uh, uh, okay. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Chen. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Uh, that was Dr. Uh, Don Zia Chen, Research Fellow at the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. Dr. Chen, thank you.
Thank you. But please send us your thoughts on Facebook at facebook.com slash China Takes Over and on Twitter at tw-、uh, Rising China. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. China takes over the world. Produced.